0: Well, Thrive Church, it's so good to worship with you today, and uh, I want to introduce Pat Crowder. Uh, For many of you, Pat doesn't need an introduction. He is a part of Thrive Church. He and his wife, Mindy, uh, they're dear friends of Megan and myself. Um, And then Pat serves in our Pacific Southwest District. He served as an area pastor. Uh, Him and Mindy provide care for our pastors and uh, and counseling and just shepherding uh, them, especially through difficult times. Uh, And I've I've asked that he would bring a word to us, just a word of encouragement uh, for the season that we're in. And so he's going to bring the word. And then when at the close of the message, we're going to, I'm going to have an opportunity to share some things from my
1: heart. So Pat, thank you. Thank you. You know, it, uh, we do work with pastors, and one of the things about pastors, there's some research that was done, uh, this was actually done in Australia among uh, uh, Spirit-filled pastors, and they found out that about 40% of pastors are in uh, some form of burnout. There's, there's uh, very uh, technical ways that they measure burnout, and in fact, one out of five pastors is actually in what's considered the highest level of burnout, meaning that they're on the edge of something uh, destructive uh, if they don't take care of themselves. So uh, Mindy and I spend our time, you know, helping pastors learn to build capacity, uh, learn to, uh, you know, be able to say yes and no to the right things, and we try to encourage them. Uh, because most pastors love people so much, uh, like your pastor loves this church, loves Mindy and I, loves uh, all of us as members uh, in a way that uh, there's a burden to, uh, to make sure we're healthy that we're being well-fed, that we're being well-cared for, well-organized, and that is a never-ending task. Uh, those of you that have children, you know how just the burden of, of, of saying, well, I want to make sure they thrive. So when people have a whole church, uh, that's an ongoing burden. And uh, people are really burdened in 2020. I don't know if you uh, are feeling what I feel. I mean, used to I'd go to the grocery store, and that was kind of a refreshing thing. Uh, you know, go shop and enjoy. Now, I, when I walk out of the grocery store, I feel like I've been in some sort of war zone. I've been trying to be more than six feet from everybody. I've been trying to make sure, did I touch something and then put it back? Oh no, have I polluted? You know, have, has somebody else touched it? Have I cleaned my hands? And just the whole COVID thing has caused a sense of um, in heightened, heightened uh, you know, carefulness that just we all carry a sort of an anxiety. And uh, I was reading this week about a new disease, actually, well, or a a diagnosis they're calling uh, COVID-somnia because sleep doctors are finding that uh, people are not sleeping as well as normal. Uh, One, they're not sleeping as as long. They're having a harder time falling asleep. They're they're waking up earlier. They're sleeping less uh, in depth. About 70% of people in America right now report sleep problems uh, that are unusual. That have been they feel like are connected to COVID. And uh, another part of it, though, is nightmares. They actually, while they are asleep, uh, there's much higher level of nightmares. Again, that's just a, a manifestation of of the anxiety, the uncertainty about economy, the uncertainty about the future, just the strangeness of such a weird year. I mean, winter. I'm looking forward to getting 2020 kind of behind us, but. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about something because God has given us something that he says he's blessed and that he's set apart for us that is meant to be an answer to stressful times and an answer to anxiety. Uh, And we don't always really walk in this blessing that the Lord's given us. And so I want to challenge us maybe to to think about ways to, to sort of receive this gift from the Lord. Uh, in a way that's maybe deeper than what we're normally uh, receiving. So uh, have you guessed what it is? It goes back to Genesis. So it's one of those things that was given right from the very beginning. Then it comes into the law, and it's even highlighted again in the New Testament. And in fact, we're told to strive to lay hold of this. And what what it is is the word Sabbath, uh, which is a Hebrew word that means to assist, to, to cease, to desist, or to, uh, uh, in a sense, uh, empty ourselves, to become uh, settled and empty. Uh, and so it's a, it's a word that has the idea of, of getting rid of all the things you can get rid of so that you can embrace uh, other things. And when we, when we study it through in the Scriptures, and there's literally hundreds of uh, spots that we um, can go to where the, the word Sabbath is used, uh, but there's a few key teachings, and what what we learn about it is it's a place where we gain capacity. Uh, smart people have said that Sabbath and the idea of Sabbath, and really we get this other word sabbatical that comes from it's the exact same Hebrew word uh, that we get both from. And one is the idea of having one day a week that we set aside to rest, uh, and the other is the idea of one year out of every seven we set aside to rest, uh, and so. Uh, whether we're talking about Sabbath or sabbatical, this idea of entering into a protected zone where we build capacity. And some people have called it the idea of saving and investing. I don't know about you, uh, but when I'm spending everything I've got and maybe spending even more than I've got and, and I have no margin in my finances, it is not a happy place. At some point, uh, I need to learn the discipline of saving. I need to find a way somehow to spend less than what I'm bringing in and be, begin to build capacity. And if I can build capacity over time, I've taught my children, uh, if you build capacity, and you can just take 10 percent, invest it and 10 percent invest it, and you do that over a lifetime you get later in life, you get to do whatever you want with your life. You can give it to the Lord, you can volunteer, you can retire, you can do whatever, because if you've been setting aside and investing and building capacity, you eventually have this huge capacity you can draw from. Well, Sabbath is like that. We're meant to be building capacity, but there's a, there's a, a sort of a sinfulness in this or a desire or a, a tendency, a um, iniquity is what's Called a crooked road is uh, that word iniquity. And it's it's a way that we tend to go, which is like to fill every moment all the time with something. And we never have any times where we cease or desist. We never have any times where we just rest. We never have times where we just receive and just build capacity. And so learning to be a a saver in the sense of not money now, but this idea of, of capacity. What can we do to build capacity? Well, uh, you know, the, the Bible says that uh, in Genesis, and then again in Exodus, and it's mentioned in Leviticus, and it's in Deuteronomy, <laughs> you know, it says that God has blessed and he has uh, made holy the Sabbath. And, in fact, he calls it a sign. He says it's the sign of the people of God. And when the people left uh, Egypt, you know, remember when in Egypt they were working around the clock. they even had to eventually, you know, uh, try to make, uh, with no straw, they had to make bricks and and sort of keep their work going. No capacity, no margin, and uh, as soon as they start going into the promised land, well, you'd think, well, they need to work harder now, because they've got to build a whole society, they've got to build a whole world, they've got to, uh, you know, begin again, and God says, nope, here's going to be the sign that people will know you're my people, and not you're not part of the world, you're part of the kingdom. You're gonna take one day a week. And um, you know, it, 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 think about Chick-fil-A. I mean, if I just say the word Chick-fil-A, we all go. There's something holy about Chick-fil-A. You know, I mean, not just the food, but it's holy because of the way they take Sunday off. It's just this strange, weird thing. I read the other day. Number one foods for millennials. What is it? They said Chick-fil-A was the number one uh, top of the system, you know, desire for the next sort of next generations of families that are developing. And I think that's very interesting because somehow the way they've embraced Sabbath and taking one day a week off as a company, uh, rather than making them poorer and making them uh, less competitive, they're actually listed as the most competitive uh, food chain in America uh, above all the others. And so I'm not surprised because it's been blessed. This idea of Sabbath has a blessing or it has a a generosity of God's giving uh, that comes with that word blessing. It also has uh, this thing of being holy. And being holy means that it's set apart. It, mean, it means you draw a boundary. And so how do we do Sabbath? Well, I, I want to just make this kind of practical Uh in our little time together today, because there's a lot of uh, wondering how to do that. So let's just talk a little bit of the practicalities. Uh, If you made a list of the things that fill you up, what would that be? My wife the other day asked me, she said, I want you to make a list of the top 20 things that fill you up. She must have been thinking I didn't have enough capacity lately and I, I needed to get fuller. So uh, I don't remember the exact context now, but I remember the start. And so I said, okay, this and this. And she was jotting them down and we came up with five or six. And she had recently been uh, to a monastery and had made her own list. And that was really how the conversation started. So uh, I began to, to try to list what fills me up. What builds capacity in me? So I'm asking you, what, what builds capacity for you? Does, is it um, reading reading? is it being out in nature, is it uh, a nap, is it music, is it worship? It's probably not screen time. For most of us, we, you know, we get distracted by screen time. We, we watch Netflix, and we just sort of binge on it or whatever, and we get distracted, and it can kind of turn off our anxieties, but it doesn't really build capacity for the most part. Maybe if we're uh, binging on, you know, the covenant or something, the story of Jesus uh, or something along that line. But for the most part, screen time is one of those things we turn off. So the second question is, what are the things that sort of suck away your capacity? And so on Sabbath, you try to turn off all the things that suck away capacity. Usually your to-do list, uh, all those tasks like some people say, well, can I garden on Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for Sabbath. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. So Sabbaths are creative. They're not lawful. They're, uh, they're a principled thing where we, we go to the Lord and say, Lord, what fills me up? What brings you glory? What, what connects me with you? Uh, what fills me? And then you begin. So for, for my wife, she can garden on the Sabbath because that fills her up. For me, I can never garden on the Sabbath because that sucks <laughs> me dry. It's like, oh, I've mowed the lawn too many times, and it's task and it's work, and it's just not something that I find joy in. So, uh, but I'm weird because for me, going for a long bicycle ride, like even a 100-mile bicycle ride fills me up. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just on top of the world. And for someone else, they'd be like, that is crazy. That is really stupid. And so, Sabbath is very unique in that way that you have to think about what fills you up and, and get rid of the things that, that are your normal tasks. And so, in general, it's things that connect us with God. We, we want it to be a father filled Sabbath, not a fatherless Sabbath. And it's things that connect us with other people. And so, uh, a lot of my friends that practice Sabbath uh, make, you know, have a special meal. Uh, especially if you do it Jewish style and you start the Sabbath at sundown one night, you can have a really special meal that you spent some time preparing, and then the, but before the Sabbath begins, and then you eat it at sundown, and you have family time, you have connection, and then you come into the next day, and then food's a very minimal thing the next day because uh, unless you get really filled up by cooking, but if, uh, if it's something that's a, a task that's sort of, oh boy, here we go again, we got to make all these big meals then maybe you you make it super simple the next day, and then your Sabbath ends at sundown the next day. So, you know, there's just some of those practicalities, and I I thought we'd talk about a few of those. Um, What about the idea of sabbaticals? How do you do that? I mean, how do you take a year off? I remember reading a book called The Contemplative Pastor by Eugene Peterson, and it starts off He and his wife are on their way back to the church that they had planted, and they've taken a year away from the church, and they're a little bit uncertain as they're driving back because they haven't been to their church in a year that they pastor. And I'm thinking, who does that? Who can take a year off? Well, most of us can't take a year off from the things that are our normal tasks, but we can still have a sabbatical season uh, no matter what kinds of roles we have And, uh, you know, my my daughter is a professor at a secular college. Well, it it was Christian college at the beginning. It was called Davidson College. It has some Christian roots, but not much anymore uh, in North Carolina. But she's in a year of sabbatical in the year 2020. She has the whole year off as a professor because uh, universities have learned that if they can build the capacity of these top professors, uh, that what happens is what they teach for the next five, six, seven years is so full that it attracts more students, it attracts renown, it it, it accomplishes the goals of that university. And so it's not like they want to give their professors a year of vacation. What they do is they give them a year of, of filling up capacity so they have more to give away to the students. And same reason we encourage pastors to do that. But a year, wow, who gets that? So maybe we could do other things like One way that a a sabbatical kind of practice for my family has sometimes been that in January, we take a a month off from screen time. And we just say, minimal, minimal screen time. Phones off, TVs off, everything's off as much as possible. It's kind of an organic month because we've just had December, Christmas, all that stuff. Uh, We're all worn out, and we just need sort of like to let the ground lie fallow. You know that idea of fallow ground? Um, so we just try to make life as simple as possible. Sometimes, uh, when I was pastoring a church in, uh, in Virginia, we used to try to make August a fallow ground season. I personally took vacation during August. Uh, we stopped all our small groups in August. We stopped, uh, most everything we, anything we could say no to the month of August, it was absolute no. Just, we do just the bare minimum to say that we're still a church. And um, it was important to do that because then it prepared us and gave us some capacity for the next season of harvest. I think 2021 is going to be an incredible season of harvest. But right now in 2020, we're all tired. We've got this problem of less sleep, not as good as sleep, hypervigilance, worry about the future. And so... How could we as a church embrace the blessing of this thing that's been set apart for us? Taking Sabbath and then maybe even sabbatical. Uh, taking a rest. The, one of the times I took a, a, a sabbatical rest while I was pastoring in Virginia, uh, and I could tell you crazy stories because there was two of those. I took two of them during the times I was the pastor of the church in Virginia. And one of those, uh, my, my team came to me and they said, Pastor... Uh, we can tell you're kind of running out of margin. <laughs> you're, you know, you need a break. You need something. And please, you need something. And, uh, and I did. I was just feeling um, like I had kind of uh, run out of that extra capacity. And could I keep working? Yes. Can we always just keep putting one foot in front of the other? Yes. And did I want to? Yes. Because one, I want to look tough and mean and strong and all that that men always are trying to look like and uh, women as well. But they challenged me. I had some great guys around me and and a great team. Uh, I say guys, I mean the guys and the girls that were on my church council. and, And they challenged me to take off from Thanksgiving until New Year's. So I did. And during that time, I uh, took a couple of little seminar things I wanted to do. I did a Franklin Covey thing. I spent uh, some a, down, a lot of downtime in coffee shops reading things I'd always been wanting to read. And I did everything I could to fill me up. I had more time with my family. And um, coming out of that, in January, I found out we were expecting our fourth child. I found out, I got a phone call and <laughs> found out that we... Uh, uh, we, we didn't have a church facility at that time. We didn't own one. And I uh, got a phone call right at the end of my sabbatical. And I learned that uh, the church we were renting, we either had to buy or uh, move out of it. And we had a few months. And so uh, because I was right at that place of capacity, uh, I just knew we were going to be able to buy it. And so we needed to be able to come up with $80,000 like, immediately to get a down payment payment not a down payment on it, but to sort of put money down so they wouldn't try to sell it, but they would hold it for us for a year, and then we could buy it a year later. And so uh, I got back the first day back. Uh, We happened to have a missionary my very first day back, and this missionary uh, was in Russia and needed a new car. And so she said, I need $8,000. I can buy a new car in Russia. And the Lord just said to me, you need to buy her a car. And so I told the church, we're going to raise $8,000 today if i'm not going to be dismissing this service till we've raised eight thousand, and we'd never done anything like that, so it's just i just but hey, I had so much capacity, I just knew God was going to do it, and sure enough we ra- we we raised the money we bought her a car, and in a very short time after that, we had eighty thousand dollars it's a it's a it's quite a story if I told you, but I believe it all flowed out of the fact that I just had this i didn't know I was going to need it, but I'd just taken this season from Thanksgiving till New Year's of about six weeks where I uh, had zero responsibilities at my church. I didn't even know if they were having services. I didn't know who was preaching. I didn't know anything. Uh, the leaders kind of stepped up and we, we made a little plan together and then I stepped away and basically my phone never rang until, until the sabbatical was over. And, uh, but the capacity that flowed out of it on the other side for the church uh, for our need as a, for facilities, for, uh, you know, for my own family, that, the addition of my wonderful daughter, Destiny. Uh, so many things flowed out of this time of sabbatical uh, that changed so many things. And so if we can take sabbatical times, sometimes we can unleash a blessing that we have no idea is out there. God does something uh, when we set aside these holy times. So could you do that? Can you one, maybe turn the dial on your weekly Sabbath. Try to try to maybe set the boundaries a little clearer. Make sure that you're sort of re-engaging uh, your habits and, and practices there. Or if you've never tried it, give it a try and begin to uh, start with a half-day Sabbath or whatever you can do to begin to set apart and create this place of, in this space. And then secondarily, could you create this fall a season of sabbatical? where you could say no to as many things as possible so that you can say yes to those things that fill you up. Because I think as a church, we're going to need that. I think we need to get ready. I think um, we're not always going to be in 2020. It's not always going to be this moment where there's so much political division, so much um, financial uncertainty, uh, so much uh, things that cause us nightmares. Uh, We're going to be in a season of harvest. And so I want to ask uh, Pastor Barry if he'd come back up uh, as an area pastor, and I'm just stepping out of that role, but uh, also as a member of this church, and and uh, and and for Barry as my friend, uh, he's in a season too where I think um, this is a really important message for him, and, and maybe Barry, you want to share a little bit of that with? Me. Yeah, thank you. Um, I love our church.
0: I love our church family. I love what God is doing, and. I came into this fall. It's interesting, this rhythm of six and one that we see mm-hmm. with Sabbath, Sabbath six days and one day of rest, six years and a year of rest. And I was just thinking as you were speaking, it's really been six, six months. Yeah. It's been six, six months, months right? since really COVID. And and it's been six months since we stopped meeting as a church in person wow. and had to move an online format. And uh, And a lot has happened in the wow. last six months for not just us as a church, but for our nation and and around the world. Um, And I want to share from my heart for a minute, because I believe this message is so important for us to really lay a hold of. Um, We've had conversations around Sabbath and sabbatical as a congregation. And especially if you've gone through the emotionally healthy Mm -hmm. spirituality class, that's something that you've, you've heard of. And, uh, and, and I wanna just acknowledge right up front, it's, it's hard. It's hard to stop for a day. It's hard to stop for a year. Wow. Um, I, I can't even, like you said, Patrick, I can't even imagine that. But I think, I think that the real takeaway there is it's just hard to stop. Mm-hmm. And we live in such a performance-driven culture that says do, 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 act, 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 perform, perform, produce uh that when we have to slow down and that it, it it presses on something in us uh i've been feeling over the last few weeks especially uh an increased level of anxiety in my own life uh as we come out of hopefully are coming out of the season, season of COVID and, and wondering, God, what do you have for the mm. church? What do you have for my family? What do you have for me? What What is the world gonna look like by the time we hit Christmas this year? And so many of those things that we set our hearts on have not come about. But I started noticing an increased anxiety and an inc- increased stress in my own life, which uh, I wanna be, I always wanna be a pastor who leads with transparency, mm. Uh, And so this is what this is. I want to share transparently with you about what's happening in my life. Uh, That level of anxiety reached a point this last week where I actually ended up in the emergency room uh, with concerns about my heart, just pressure in my chest. And and I just called Megan. She was at work. I was at work. And I just said, hey, babe, I got to go get checked out. I want to let you know that everything checks out. My heart is good. The doctor told me I am young and I am healthy. And I about kissed him on the mouth. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, And so praise the Lord for that. But I also recognized my son Micah was driving me home from the hospital and I said, Micah, my heart is good. My heart is healthy, the doctor says, you know, and I, I can go for extra tests and all of that, but I'm, I didn't have a heart attack and, and my heart is healthy. And my young, my young man of his son said to me, he goes, Dad, but how's your heart? And I just started weeping. And I recognized I'm, I'm tired and I'm worn. And so I called Patrick and I called some other brothers who uh, who I just care about and I know care about me and I've had conversations through the week with our pastoral team and our leadership team and uh, but but Patrick being in, in a position of even authority over my leadership and, and our congregation I just and his love for pastors I said what, what do I do I, I don't know how do I, how do I move forward and so he asked me the question what can you cut out what can you cut out and my initial reaction was, Nothing. there's nothing in my life right now that I can stop in this season. And maybe as you're hearing this message today, maybe that's what you thought initially was, I can't stop any of the things I'm doing. In fact, it's kids just went back to school. everything's ramping up. Mm-hmm. Um, we revisited the conversation the next day and realized, oh, there actually are some things, and I think rather than just landing at that conclusion saying there's nothing to sit and pray on it and to to think about it meditate and say what is there and and so he proposed patrick proposed that i take a few weeks and step back from uh, church ministry n- not as a vacation no it's not a vacation Mm-mm. as a it's as investment. a point of investing in my health increasing that capacity i believe in what god has for us as a congregation i believe god god is going to do mighty things uh, in and through Thrive Church as we move through the rest of this year and into the next year but I also know that I have to embrace the limits of my own life and and I want to be honest about that before you and before the Lord mm-hmm. to say I I have limitations and I would rather step back and say God would you do a work in me a work of healing and a work of increase and and, and restoration that would allow me to lead this congregation into everything that God has. And I I just so resonate with that story you shared about your own experience in that. And who knows what God has for us, Mm. but I don't want to miss anything because we're so tired and worn out. I want to encourage you though, uh, as you pray for me, as you pray for Megan and our family in this season, for our leadership team, for our pastoral team. I also want you to, to genuinely, to, to honestly consider where are some places in your life where you can cut some things out, eliminate some things. And I wanna invite you into a season of rest with me. That, that's really my heart. I'm gonna be taking the next probably three to four weeks, um, to just pull back from, from ministry that our pastoral team and our leadership team are more than capable. Uh, they're amazing men and women of God and they're, and and I, I have no, no, uh, no doubt that we will emerge through this even stronger because of their leadership and pray for them. But I, I genuinely want to invite you to join me in this season of rest and sabbatical. So look at your life. Sit with your spouse. If you're married, sit with your, your children, if you have kids and, and, and take stock of your lives and go, what is it that we can step away from? What can mm. we pare down in a season? And let's hear from the Lord. Let's, mm. let's invest in our lives. Let's invest in our ministry in our church and increase that capacity to see God do everything that he needs to do. Mm. And so I thank you for your prayers. I thank you for your support. Uh, in, in every way. Uh, you're an amazing congregation, and, uh, and I love you. Megan loves you, and, and we just look forward to all that the Lord has. We're going we're gonna to con- conclude this service. I'm going to ask Patrick if he would pray uh, for Megan and myself, and if you would join him in praying, but then I'm going to ask him as well if you would pray for us as a, as a congregation.
1: Yeah, and as I get ready to pray, I'm going to say something that uh, comes from uh, experience and wisdom, and and seeing it a number of times in others, uh, more than biblical, but it doesn't go unbiblical. <laughs> but in you know, in the scriptures, he would have uh, Israel gather manna, you know, and, it, and double would be there the day before it was needed. The interesting thing is what I find with pastors is uh, there's like double manna that comes after a sabbatical or after a day of a sabbath somehow there's uh when we take that time aside and because i guess we're being fed during the thing you know during these kinds of rests and then somehow on the other side of it there's kind of a double provision uh and so i'm going to ask the lord for that for the church for you so father uh i I pray uh lord uh, first of all we will pray for the congregation lord we pray for everyone that's hearing our voice right now lord that you would give them uh, the places of rest and the places of adding capacity, the places of growing and investing and saving uh, by being in your presence. So that, Lord, they end up coming out on the other side with more invested. They come out the other side uh, sort of with that double manna uh, blessing on the other side, Lord, that there's, there's more resource than what they had going into the time of rest. They're coming out on the other side uh, with more capacity and more accomplishment, and even, Lord, supernaturally a grace where, uh, that Lord, whatever they gave up in performance actually has now multiplied uh, while it was fallow. And we trust you for that, Lord. I pray uh, for Barry and Megan, Lord. I, I thank you for the good report this week that that Lord his health is okay, but that Lord this uh, sort of light on the dash that said you know something's not quite right, and there needs to be a response. That Lord he's listened to your voice. He's willing to to take some time aside. We pray for Barry and Megan and the children, and we ask Lord for. So much blessing on this season. Let there be rest. Let there be refreshing. Let there be moments of uh, just shalom. That that Lord, He just finds Himself in that place of well-being and wholeness and capacity. So that when when the when this little short season, Lord, it's not like a year off, but a little short season, Lord, of of filling, of being filled. When He gets to the other side, Lord, let there be an overflow of Your goodness a grace. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, bless you. Uh, Pray that the rest of your day would be restful uh, and look forward to being able to bring just a great report of what God is doing. Uh, Be be praying for us over these next few weeks. Be praying for our leadership team and our pastoral team. Uh, God bless you as you uh, go on with the rest of your day today. We'll see you next time.